Well, hi everybody, it's the Week in the Tackle podcast, the podcast where we look back at the previous week in football and or soccer and tackle the stories that we found interesting. I'm Tom Rennie. No Brian Dunseth today because he is on one of his many, many, many holidays. And of course, the last time he went on holiday, it was to Barcelona for about nine to ten weeks. And since then, he has mentioned it, I think, every time I've spoken to him for a year. Like we would be eating a sandwich and he'd be like, sandwiches, they call them bocaneros in Spain. I was in Spain, you know, or sort of. It was Barcelona. Or you'd see like a cloud and he'd be like, oh, I remember clouds. I saw a cloud in Barcelona once next to the Sagrada da Familia. So it was a lovely, lovely, and on and on it goes. So he's away in, I forget now where he's gone, uh, somewhere with the wife and kids to, to, to bathe and drink tequila in the morning is what he usually does on holiday. So um, he's not joining us for today's programme, though he is going to be back with us next Thursday um, with a tan, I suppose, the bastard. Um, so alongside me uh, today for the next 20 minutes, half an hour or so to go through some of the top stories um, is producer Tim Horsey, your friend of mine. How are you, Tim? You all right? I'm doing well. Yeah, I just went and checked through uh, Dunny's, what, 476 Instagram stories, and it looks like he is in Bermuda this time. That's Bermuda it. is where he is uh, gallivanting with the wife and kids. So I hope he's having a great time. Um, I'm coming off a little bit of a break myself, like most of the Americans here, uh, with our with our Thanksgiving holiday. So ready to get back into it and talk a little bit about some of these games with you. You're not even joking, are you? I've just gone into his Instagram. He oh, is no, no, prolific. Completely serious. Yeah. So in the last 27 minutes, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine grams. This is a man in his 40s. This is not a 13-year-old girl. You're trying to get off the phone to come down for dinner. Incredible. Extraordinary. But you know what? Man just loves his gram. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Who wouldn't? Do you think his kids gram more than him or less than him? Oh, is he is chance. he is he chief grammar at the Dunseth household? Or are there or is not he trying chance. to is is he trying to keep up with the other grammars of the Dunseth household? Do we know? I think the kids are probably into a whole new social media that we don't even know because yeah. we're old people. Compared to, to compared to his kids. So that's what it is. Um, but, well, Danny, have a lovely time. I hope you're enjoying this, listening on the beach. Um, and we look forward to having you back on the show next week. Tim, a few things to get through um, this week from the weekend. And I'd love your view on them, um, as I give mine as well. But firstly, I note you're wearing your own merch to record our programme, which I very much enjoy. So Tim is our intrepid producer here at Week in the Tackle, also the manager of Sirius XMFC, America's number one soccer chat radio network, but also an NFL fan, which is the catchy one they only play in uh, in America, uh, where they become world champions, of course, in an America-only sport. Of course. And you're wearing a T-shirt today uh, of your own Ravens, podcast did you do that intentionally your own merch i can honestly say i woke up at what six in the morning five five thirty six in the morning to prepare for our our uh television or radio show excuse me and this was the first thing i just had in my closet so i threw it on so no not intentional although it is great cross promotion for a little podcast i do if you like catch and thank you tom because i know it pains you so so much to talk about uh to talk about american football pod like a raven incredibly niche if you're a Ravens fan, if you're an NFL fan in general, we do that too. Once a week, uh, me and two of my old university roommates, who I did college radio with way back in the Stone Ages, uh, we continued that radio show, basically turned it into a podcast, recapping every Ravens game, previewing the next game, and talking about all the general nonsense from the National Football League of that week. So yeah, you can find it wherever you find Week in the Tackle. If you want to 
hear more of me. I don't know why, but if you do, you can you can listen there. Pod like a raven uh, wherever you get podcasts. Um, that was just meant to be a little joke at the top of the program. Not a f***ing plug for your podcast. You really, sorry, Tim, uh, went for that. And I admire it. Take your opportunity. After. Sometimes when I appear on programs... I will literally just drop in Week in the Tackle. I will just drop it in apropos of nothing. Someone will say to me, Tom, did you have breakfast this morning? And I'll say, well, funnily enough, when I was having eggs while I was listening to the Week in the Tackle podcast, I thought to myself, no, we'll just squeeze it in, yep. in any way you can. And I admire that. Though I do note you have merch and we don't have merch. Why don't we have a merch arm of this operation? Did you I... make this yourself? Do you sell these? Can we buy these? So you cannot buy these as of yet. This is a one of one at the moment. Um, my, my girlfriend made this to, for me as a gift and was also like a nudge of like, hey, you guys should really do this. And then I'm just not bothered because I have a job and other things that's going it. on in my that's life. It. And I keep forgetting to, to put some merch together. But if you're interested in Week in the Tackle merch, and we'll, we'll turn it to that now, let us know. Maybe we'll be able to screen print some some jumpers like this pod, like a Raven one here, available on all podcast platforms, uh, to to maybe give to the listeners here some week in the tackle sweatshirts, stickers, coffee mugs, what have you. Maybe that's something we could look forward to uh, in future. One thing we can look forward to as well is talking about Manchester United without no. Brian Dunseth wibbling on uh, about how depressing it all is to only be in the top six and only have won one trophy in the last couple of years. And those Glazers! I wonder if Manchester United fans thank the Glazers for Garnacho's goal this weekend. Because as we know, whenever anything goes wrong at Manchester United, they lose a game at Tottenham Hotspur. We have to deal with days upon days upon days of, you know, I blame for this result, the Glazers. And I have seen so much of it from not only Manchester United online supporters, but also people who essentially, who come from the south of England and supported Man United in the 90s because they were good, which is a lot of my old school friends. And I am not saying the Glazers are good owners, right? They're not good owners in terms of, you know, what you might want. I, I hear things about Old Trafford and some people get really obsessed with the amount of debt they have racked up against Manchester United, though... It's always worth noting Manchester United will never, ever, ever go out of business. They will always be commercially successful. And so they spend against the debt and take profits out of the club. Welcome to business, folks. Welcome to the hyper capitalization of Premier League football over the last 30 years, which was, you know, inspired by the drive of Manchester United's global reach. There's a reason why potato chip companies who don't even sell in England uh, sponsor Manchester United. No one in England drives a f***ing Chevrolet. Sorry, Tim. And yet, they were the sponsor of Manchester United for many, many years. Does anyone even use Team Viewer? So, like, I don't know, okay? They, they might be great. I don't think they're bad owners, but fine. But the whole meltdown when they lose is the Glazers' fault is bollocks. And why? Because how many people said, thank you, Glazers, for signing Eric Ten Hag as, man as manager? Thank you, Glazers, for having the foresight to build a scouting network where someone like Alejandro Garnacho can be scouted. Thank you, Glazers, for delivering this incredible, incredible goal. You don't see it, and I'm being a little bit facetious here to annoy some of you, but also it goes to show the ridiculousness of the Glazer meltdown when they lose a game. And the amazing thing, Tim, and I know you're a Liverpool fan, so um, this hurts you as much as it hurts literally everyone who grew up in the 90s in England, but... Yep. The form guide right now tells you Man United are the best team in England. 
And yes, it's been a flat track. And yes, they are all teams that are going to finish in the bottom half or maybe in the bottom three in the case of Luton and maybe Everton. But they are beating them. And they are still in the Champions League at the time of recording. And so, you know, it is frustrating, isn't it, when we have to do days upon days of Glazers out stuff, when actually I'd probably transfer my owners for what the Glazers have brought Man United across the last decade. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of fan bases would take it. It's just, it's whiny, privileged Man United fans. That's what it's always been. And yeah, Liverpool biases are in there a little bit as well, um, being a little bit hyperbolic. But, you know, even in in, all, in our other job at Sirius XMFC, any time that Man United does anything that isn't up to the level of these Manchester United fans, that becomes topic A. That becomes the thing that needs to be talked about and and it's weird to me. It, it, it doesn't make sense. And we get it from Liverpool fans too, a lot. There, there were particular Liverpool fans uh, that called into our shows and commented here on Week in the Tackle, what have you, of during the run when they finally won the Premier League. Oh, well, they're breaking down in the second half of the season. Oh, this can't last. And it's like, celebrate the good moments, guys. Like, enjoy this. Try not to be miserable about every single little thing. Um, and for United fans, I think they're just used to winning every single game. 3-0, not going to be a problem. The Sir Alex days that they're just continuing to bask in are no longer there. And you need to face reality of it a little bit. But yeah, I think, I, like you said, I think most people would take what has happened over the past decade for Manchester United, as well as witnessing some great goals like tom the greatest goal in premier league history the alejandro garnacho overhead kick how about that one um it's not even the greatest overhead kick scored by a manchester united player is it i mean look rooney's was a shinner okay let's let's all just be clear on that right wayne rooney's incredible goal against man city all those years ago it came off his shin pad the reason it had such incredible force to beat joe hart was because it came off his shin, and you know it was a good finish because Joe Hart can't save things down low to his left, but he could save them back then up high to his left, and he couldn't save it then because it was a really, really good connection, but it did come off the shin pads, and so, like, Adidas should take 50% of the credit for that goal for, for making the shin pads. Other sports brands are available. I don't know who makes Wayne Rooney shin pads. Um, Nike. I'll throw them in there. There's one of them, isn't it? It's going to be one of them. It's not going to be Hummel. Um, so... That was a shinner, though it was more spectacular because of the player and the context and all that sort of stuff. But this one, I mean, to err on the side of positive for a moment, it is spectacular. You know, the great things about this goal, there's two great things, I think. Number one is the fact it came off his laces, Wayne, uh, which is exactly what you want, right? The elevation, the acrobatic nature of the finish. It's so incredible to watch someone hit it so sweetly. This is up there with Gareth Bale in the Champions League final. It's up there with Cristiano Ronaldo's famous overhead kick. And it's up there with my personal favourite, Andy Carroll against Crystal Palace for the Hammers in 2016-ish. They still had that green, terrible lining around the pitch at the time at the Bowl of Disappointment. Uh, but I mean, Andy Carroll's overhead kick, if you haven't seen it, folks, mm. I'm not taking the piss here. It is absolutely yeah. incredible. Um and very, quite similar to this, different to like Trevor Sinclair's famous one from like 93-94 for Queen's Park Rangers, which, you know, normally is the barometer for great overhead kicks. But it was very similar to Garnacho's, but he's a six foot nine donkey. Um, Garnacho, you kind of expect this from, you know, the next Lionel Messi types or whatever. So it was amazing. It was an amazing connection. And it was one of those moments, Tim, where even if you hate Man United 
as most of the population probably do, um, you still got to enjoy a goal like that. Yeah, I mean, look, if you like the game, you like a goal like that. You can you ima- you can imagine a a Ray Hudson kind of losing his mind type moment at, at something like that too. And and look, I didn't. So you know, obviously over the Thanksgiving holiday, didn't get to see a ton of stuff in real time, but went back and and watched stuff to prepare for our shows and this show, what have you. Um, checking kind of just checking the social media while avoiding family over the Thanksgiving holiday. All of a sudden, that goal goes in, and it's just. Every, everybody blows up of how magnificent it is. So you have to go look at it. And yeah, like even me, a, a miserable Liverpool fan who loves, loves the tears of Brian Dunseth on this podcast when Manchester United do anything negative, you had to take a moment to appreciate it. And it's also, here's a little tip for you folks. If you are going to have to stay at home on a Sunday to take care of one of your children because the other has gone to a all afternoon princess party, who goes to a four-hour princess party? Ridiculous. How many princesses are there? Oh, quite a lot. Okay. Um, so I had our boy uh, in kind of the backspace of the house, but our internet is so slow that it runs about three minutes behind, um, like, the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And so I'm watching the game in kind of the front room on the internet, and I've got loads of texts on, like, the various football groups saying, what a goal, what a goal, what a goal. But if you live that way, I was able to give Ramsey a biscuit, put him on the seat, run around the corner, get to the front room, just in time to see the goal as live. So it was like seeing into the future, which is a great way to watch the game if you're in the other room, just someone else tells you, right, walk around the corner now, something good's going to happen in 30 seconds. A very frustrating way if your actual team is playing and you're scrolling uh, to see if there's a goal and then you know where to look up if there's been a goal or not, which is something I do as well. Um, so that was pretty good. The Everton protest was interesting. Um, and we were live when this broke last Thursday, I think it was, when we got the news about the 10-point deduction. I believe it was a Friday, but yeah. Friday. Yeah. Fucking corrected me on the days. Bring back Dunny, that's what I say. Sorry, Tim, you earned that one. Um, The protest is interesting because I think the 10 points will come down on appeal. I think the more you read into the Everton story, the harsher it seems. And even though I am very much keen on there being financial and sustainability rules i don't think they are currently fit for purpose in an era of sovereign wealth funds where say newcastle united have to raise more funds to justify spending oh we've got an entertainment company to take us over in terms of our shirt sponsor well who are they oh they're called seller oh i don't know who seller are where are they from saudi arabia oh who are they owned by Oh, it's the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia. Do we know the management there? Yes, it's us. So, you know, it's it's pretty easily done to pump money into Newcastle United and how they assess the value of these contracts as well is, I think it needs to be looked at again. Uh, and it's also worth noting Newcastle now have a new airline sponsor. Mm. Um, and uh, who, who should we get? Who should we get, Geordie Nation? What's the most common airline out of Newcastle? Well, I've got this uh, this airline on the phone. They're willing to pay us X amount of millions to, to be our official airline. Oh, great news. Where are they from? Oh, they're from Saudi Arabia. Oh, who owns them? Oh, they're owned by the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia. Terrific. Sign them up, chief. Like being the commercial officer right now at Newcastle United must be a piece of piss. So they can cover their losses with these sort of contracts compared to Everton, who, look, I'm not being sorry here for the Iranian billionaire who completely misjudged the spending model in the Premier League and indeed the commercial possibility of Everton um, 
as of course the Usmanov thing and all that. Fine, I get that. There's elements to it that he couldn't have foreseen, but no sympathy from me on that score. The only sympathy I have was, is with the supporters who have absolutely no say in any of this. And that goes to Newcastle fans too, don't want to be owned by the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia. They're not the most vocal, but they certainly exist. Um, so I don't feel sorry for them. And I think there should be sort of some sort of punishment. I think those regulations should be rewritten, not by the big clubs who have far too much say in how these regulations are written. It needs to be written by some sort of independent arbiter who can bring about more competition in football because the more the sovereign wealth funds and oligarchs take it away from us, the worse it's going to be for future generations. Don't be like the baby boomers and the environment, folks. Um, be good people and try and save the planet in advance when you know it's going to be boiling. Um, so I want them to, ha to exist, these rules. I don't think they're fit for purpose i do think on appeal this might come down a few points but also i think quite rightly the compensation claims might have more resonance than any punishment the premier league might give i mean if i was leicester or leeds or southampton they're, they're the ones that deserve the maybe a share of future revenue maybe they get a stand at bramley moore dock like they get all money from the west Ham for the first 10 years i don't know maybe they get free nights at the titanic hotel at the docks as paid for by um, Farhad Mashiri. I don't know. But, Tim, I think it looked visually impressive. There was the pink cards, which said corrupt on it, which I, I think they've gone about this the wrong way. It's not corruption, um, I don't think. I don't think that's the right word. I'm not sure what the right word is. I don't know what you think. But, but also the booing of the anthem, I thought, was quite striking as well. So this is going to get across, but I don't know if they're going about it in the right sort of way. They're pushing at the right angle. I, but yeah, I mean, the corruption thing, I kind of agree with you. I think that that's, you know, malpractice, like mm. you're doing this wrong, something, so, something like that, you know, I, I this know, is not right. Yeah, this is not right. Yeah, there we go. Maybe not as uh, punchy as corrupt, but I think kind of would get the message across. The The question I kind of have for you, because I'm with you. I mean, it, it, it sent an impactful message, maybe not necessarily the right one, but certainly made an impact. What else could the fans do I, and other than changing the words of it? And do they need to continue to do that? Like, is this something that the Everton fans are going to be doing at every single home game? Because I almost think that you kind of, if, if you want any chance of trying to get a few points back or, you know, the appeal process working out, I think they need to send this message over and over and over again at Goodison Park, because outside of that, there's, you know, as, as most fans in most sports, we don't really have a ton of say as much as we want to say we do. I think the issue for me and the confusion for me is that Everton are banged to rights. They did this. They did it. It's been admitted. There is a discussion about how far they actually went over the agreed upon loss limit. Um, Everton and the Premier League have got disputed numbers on this, but no one's disputing. They did not manage to finish this three-year cycle within the financial limits. And so the only argument here is about the size of the punishment. And you could argue, I'm not arguing this, but you could argue they've actually been quite lenient considering if this had come last season, they would have been relegated. Last season was the toughest year to stay in the Premier League of the last decade. Last year, the three teams that came up were brilliant. This year, they are all pretty woeful. Um, you know, Luton are fighters and they will scrap it out and they will duke it out and they'll do whatever it takes to stay up but they're gonna go 
Uh, Burnley, I don't know what Burnley are at this moment in time. They seem to have come up in a fantasy land, assuming they could outplay teams in the Premier League, even a sort of Luddite eleven like West Ham with championship quality strikers. Like, it's not going to happen for you. Mm. You need to stop conceding and nick a win like Luton did against Crystal Palace the other day. Otherwise, you're going to fly down. They've got no chance of staying up at this point. Vincent Company just at this moment seems incredibly naive. Um, uh, and then you've got Sheffield United, who just don't have a Premier League squad. So you're going to stay up with a 10-point deduction if you're Everton, who are moving in the right direction under Sean Dyche. But um, I think you're in a situation where you need to accept that things could have been worse. If this was me... I'm an Everton fan. I'm not holding up a corruption placard. I'm saying, f*** me. We've got away with this, haven't we? Sorry, Tim. Because this could have been any other season, any other time. They did this. They are guilty. And even though I have a lot of sympathy for, it should be less than 10 points. And I have a lot of sympathy for the whataboutry of Man City and Chelsea and the Kingdom of Newcastle United. I have huge sympathy for all of that. On this particular charge, they are guilty guilty and if you're guilty there has to be some sort of punishment and if they got it last year they'd be relegated that'd be proper punishment this year they're still going to stay up they've been very lucky and I think when you get a stroke of luck like that I think you take your money and run um Tim let me ask you about the other team in Merseyside I know you were very busy with Thanksgiving and friends this weekend Mm -hmm. but um Three-horse title race. They're all saying it. No one's saying anything about Aston Villa, which is a bit annoying, I'm sure, for them. Um, did you think they were going to be in the title race start of the season? And do you consider them to be in it now? Because, as I'm always saying to you, every time City drop points, it's good for the rest of us. The festivus for the rest of us. That's what we need. City dropping points. And Liverpool taking points off City, that brings that point tally down from, let's say, the bar's 100 with a couple of losses and a couple of draws, that brings it down to 92 points. A couple more defeats, beat them at Anfield, that brings it to 89 points potentially. I can see Liverpool getting 89 points. Yeah, I can too. I've been really encouraged. You know, there was a lot of there was a lot of turnover, especially in the midfield. It was obviously the big talking point. Um, kind of this inverted role for Trent Alexander-Arnold. How is that going to work? Can he defend? Who knows? And that, all, all of that. Um, with this team, I, I was super impressed. You know, I, I told you off air that I was able to watch most of the game um, on television. And then we had some uh, activities to do around the Thanksgiving Christmas holidays. So thank God I just got this big new iPhone because I had to watch the end of the game on, on that in the car. Uh, but I, d- I did not think to answer your question. I did not think they were going to be in the title race this year. I thought it was going to be kind of a reset year, you know, Every kind of new signing under Klopp has taken some time to come in. You look at Andy Robertson, you look at Fabinho is two of the the biggest examples of 10 games into the season and Rodney Marsh is calling them both busts because they haven't started. And then they immediately lock into that first team and then were part of those title winning teams um, of the previous years. I thought it would be kind of a reset, you know, maybe, maybe get a trophy in the Europa League because you're clearly one of the best teams in that competition, even with the teams that are going to come down from the Champions League. And See if you can maybe keep pace with City. Um, but now, I mean, after that result, and, and you know me, I am, I am an ultimate pessimist. I, I, you know, I tend to avoid the week in the tackle group chat because, frankly, I just can't stand Brian Dunseth and all of his, um, <laughs> let me write this down as I'm talking, talk, sorry, Tom, that he does during games. Um, but this team seems like they have a sort of fortitude about them um, that 
barring any injuries, which I think has been one of the biggest issues for them over the last couple of years. I mean, you saw it with that team that was going for all four trophies and then ended up, this this sounds privileged of me, winning the two that they didn't really want and missing out on the Premier League and Champions League. I know that annoys Tom. That's why I said it. Uh, it all kind of caught up with them. And then you saw that over the, the next couple of years after that as well, that it all kind of caught up with them. They don't have to deal with those uh, many competitions anymore. It is Premier League and Europa League, essentially, for this team. And, you know, maybe a run in the FA Cup, what have you. But the way they played, you know, I think City probably, I don't know, You maybe you have a different opinion on this. I think City would feel bad about not getting all three points. I think they were probably the better team over the course of the 90 minutes. But that doesn't matter if you can't put the ball in the back of the net. And Kevin De Bruyne has obviously been a miss for them. Liverpool held their nerve there were some nervy moments and then trent alexander arnold with the big moment uh, coming up clutch for them and i love i love the celebration too i know some people kind of hate it but a guy who is often criticized like that giving this moment of just putting the finger up to the fans i think is great and then you get the pictures of you know we do middle fingers in the u.s you guys do the v's for 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 whatever reason um i don't really know what that i still don't know what that means and i've worked with you for a very long time um that, two buds Oh, fair enough. Yeah, just double the fun, I guess. Uh, those images are always great. And yeah, a long way of saying yes. I, I have, with the additions of guy like Shobaslai, who has been incredible for them in the midfield, um, I, I am way more encouraged than I was at the start of the year, which means ultimately I'm going to be disappointed when they start dropping points to the likes of Bournemouth and, and Wolves and what have you as we go on throughout the season. And did we find out what the Darwin Nunez Guardiola row was? So at the end of the game, Darwin Nunez sort of goes up to Guardiola yeah. and they start having a bit of a weird row where Klopp and uh, the assistant at Liverpool, his name I've forgotten, uh, Linders, isn't it? Um, they're like yes. holding them apart. And I didn't know what that was about, whether Guardiola had said something. I mean, it was. Did we find out what had upset Darwin Nunez and why he got into Pep's face? So I, I'm looking here. This comes from The Athletic. Um, so I'll just quote this article here. Uh, quote, Klopp told German TV after the match, there were some shouts from the city bench after the final corner. Some of our boys understood and reacted. I didn't understand much, but I like them talking about Nunez and Guardiola both a lot. So I stepped in. Um, I don't think they wanted to explain it because I was not involved. There are other articles saying that Guardiola basically told Nunez to start focusing on scoring more goals rather than yapping at me, which I think is funny. Mm. Um, but yeah, we didn't really get, you know, everybody kind of played it off at the end. We didn't really get an explanation. I think I think Darwin Nunez, and I love him for this, is just the ultimate agent of chaos. You know, you mentioned it on the show, uh, the football show a couple of weeks ago, that he's just Nicolas Cage. You never <laughs> really know what you're going to get from Darwin yeah. Nunez. It's either going to be um, Renfield, which, my God, I couldn't get through um, 25 minutes in, or you're going to get the unbearable weight of massive talent, which I still haven't watched yet. I need so to watch. Good. Yeah. So good. Or, or for... apparently, uh, Pig is very good. It's, it's mm-hmm. getting its network premiere this week in England, so I'm going to watch it because I love a Nicolas Cage film, but I've not been able to get it. It's his number one movie for reviews wow. on, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. Pig. It's a better than Con Air because I know the, the, the Con Air is incredible. Con Air is I mean, it's not going player. to be better than Con Air. Okay. I mean, let's, right. let's, yeah. let's not go insane here. However, uh, the reviewers think it's a better movie. You know how, like, your favorite movie is probably not the most popular movie that's, that's ever true. been reviewed. Um, but it's still you know, a great movie. I mean, I don't know. I'll, I'll let you know. I'll let you know what he does with the pig. I don't know. Maybe he goes full David Cameron. There's no way of knowing. Um, 
I did want to talk to you a little bit about the Amers, who beat Burnley, poor old Burnley, beleaguered Burnley. Um, because when you watch West Ham at the moment, and I had this row with Chris Aguelamo a couple of weeks ago uh, at TalkSport Studios, our friend, the former Scotland international. Um, too busy to work for us these days. Uh, hopefully we're getting back again soon. And he was saying to me, of course, he is Scotsman, David Moyes, Scotsman, probably the second greatest ever Scottish manager. Um after Jockstein. And um, yep. it's, come on, guys. I, I think that it's really interesting that he was really backing David Moyes. And he kept saying to me, and you know I've had many uh, of a fever dream about David Moyes. And I still think, I'm still Moyes in, but I, I get more frustrated than ever with David Moyes in, in the current era. Because it does sort of feel like the cycle has come to its end. And where do West Ham go from here? And he was like, you're not happy, European trophy, and you know, you're not going to get relegated. I thought, yeah, I am happy with that. Like, I'm not unhappy, but I also sit through more West Ham games than yeah. maybe anybody. I, I, I go to a lot of the home games. I watch all the home games on TV uh, if I don't, can't get to them. I go to the European games. I go to the away games if I can. If I'm in the studio, they're on TV. So even Saturday at three o'clock when there's a blackout in this country and they can't watch it, I'm still watching it. So there's very few people in the Western world that watch as much West Ham as I do. And when you watch the game against Burnley at the weekend, and this is true of so many West Ham games, I think you can see the players become vis visibly depressed on the pitch. Mm. Like you can see them just sort of losing belief in themselves because there is no plan as such to score a goal. They're, they're, they're quite one-dimensional. And with Danny Ings, I mean... The only thing that's making a comeback about Danny Ings is his fringe. Like, at this point, Danny, Danny Ings needs to go and sign for Burnley. He would do well for Burnley. They need someone who can score a goal. I've seen no evidence Danny Ings can still score a goal. But I do feel like if someone passed him the ball in the penalty area, if Luca Colliosho beat four people and squared it, I'd rather square it to Danny Ings than Jay Rodriguez or Amdouni or whoever else they've got, Lyle Foster when he comes back. So Danny Ings needs to leave immediately. Watching Danny Ings try to hold the ball up is like trying to watch a toddler juggle. Like, it's just, you know they've got the basic fundamentals to do it, but it's not going to happen. And it's going to end probably in tears in some way. And the equivalent of that is to be subbed off for a teenager after 60 minutes, which is what happened to traitor to the balls, Danny Ings. Like, he's just at the wrong club, with the wrong manager, playing in the wrong way. I'm sure he's still going to have two or three years in his career, but that's got to be over. Um, and so West Ham, like the, the team they picked was so obviously wrong. Stop playing Lucas Paqueta on the left wing, David. Okay, stop doing that. It doesn't work. It's never worked. Stop it. Stop playing Danny Ings as a central striker and try and chip it into the channels like it's Mikel Antonio still up front. It's not going to happen, David. Stop it. Stop a midfield of James Ward-Prowse Alvarez and Socek, all with their own individual quality, sure. But one of those players needs to be Brazil's number eight. So make a choice on what one you want and try and build a team around that group. And also get some help to Mohamed Kudus because this guy is mental. Like, this is a player... I haven't seen many people like this. You know, Tim, how much I love mm -hmm. Wilfred Zaha, right? Yes. Always love Wilfred Zaha. You know, love to hate him and all that when he plays against you. But Wilfred Zaha, now at Galatasaray, Palace legend, has this amazing ability. When there's four players around Wilfred Zaha, I would still put money on Wilfred Zaha getting out of that situation with the ball. And there are so few players like that who can then be effective in the game. There's skillful players that can't cross 
or there's great crossers who have got no skill. David Beckham was one in that group, right? Um, Mohamed Kudus, four players around him for the equalising goal. Just takes them all. Just just takes them. Just takes them like they're not even there. Four players on him. Could they be tighter? Could they be better? Yeah, potentially. Just kills them. Turn of pace, footwork, awareness, all of that. Then gets to the end line. 86th minute. West Ham have embarrassed themselves against the worst team in the country. And he just puts his magic hat on and does something for West Ham out of nowhere, which you have to do in this team at the moment who are playing depressed. And someone needs to be the Xanax for this team. And at the moment, it's Mohamed Kudus. It was incredible the way he set up the goal. And then the winner, as much as Thomas Socek in the game, the ambling around annoys me. I am... Very much here for on the end of crosses, Suchek being back. You know, four goals in four games, two for club, two for country. It's a brilliant finish, by the way. But Bukayo Saka, quite rightly, was getting a load of praise for his cross for Kai Havertz in the Arsenal-Brentford game. Kudus basically does the same thing, but I think better in terms of the way it was delivered in, the way it spins in, the finish from Socek is also visually more appealing than the kind of shanked header that Flecken should save for Brentford. But it was interesting they happened like two hours apart, almost identically. The cross from Mohamed Kudus is a showstopper. That is Shawn Michaels switching music on Ric Flair kind of stuff, right? That is the end of you, Burnley, with a cross like this. So when you've got a player like that, when you've got Jared Bowen to come back in, when you've got Brazil's actual number eight, I know it's a crap Brazil right now, but still, he plays for West Ham. It's bizarre. Still you've, got, you've got James Ward-Prowse, incredible set pieces. You've got all these great elements, right? West Ham should be doing better. And I know they're doing well. And I'm not having a meltdown about West Ham this year because it's, fi- it's fine. It is fine. But I want to see Kudus and Paqueta ripping teams apart. And they do things. And I think, oh, it's good, isn't it? And then they can't get the ball against Burnley. And I just think, guys, uh, let's cheer up a bit. Like, if I think that might be the tactic for West Ham from now on. Just cheer up a bit. Everyone, just cheer up a bit. And we're going to win more games. And we might actually have some entertaining football. If we've got someone who can cross a ball like that, and we've got this giant Czech monster who can attack the back post, bring in the teenager, Mubama, up front, because Danny Ings is just wasting everyone's time. And it could be fun. And in the end, it just it's just not fun. I want it to be fun. No. You know, I, I don't go with, the, you know, our friend Paul Coit and Danny Kelly, the Tottenham fans, are always a bit like, you know, I want them to play like the Spurs way or whatever. I personally don't give a shit about that. Sorry, Tim, like the West Ham way stuff. I want to win. And I'll always take a win and playing crap over losing. Every day. Forever. Under all circumstances. But while we're a team that are actually better then the entire bottom half. I think squad-wise, bar Ollie Watkins, West Ham have as good a squad as Aston Villa. They have as good a squad, if not better, on paper than Brighton and Hove Albion. They need to be in that conversation. Bar Alexander Isak and Callum Wilson, you can see where I'm going with the position that's yep. an issue for West Ham. Yep. I think they could be up there with the Newcastle, Villa, Brighton, Tottenham group and be battling for that fifth and fourth spot in the Champions League. And they may well do it. And they may well get back in the Conference League. And again, I'm not disparaging what they've achieved in recent years, but West Ham just seemed like the cycle was ended, a new cycle was started, and everyone just needs to get on the Xanax. Yeah, I know, I know you couldn't you couldn't give a flying f**k, sorry, Tom, about other sports, obviously, but um, 
one of the things that I think is one of the most frustrating and something that I talk about a lot on the other podcast, Pod Like a Raven, available on many podcast platforms, <laughs> is having a team, having a team that has talent, that has clear, unmistakable, you see it from moment one, talent, and and then them not using that talent correctly or properly or just re- just crapping down their leg all of the time. Um, and so I, you know, you're not, I'm not going to go to American football thing here because I don't want to bore you nor the listener, but I deal with that on a week in and week out basis with the team I support in that sport as well. And there's nothing more frustrating because I'm with you. Give me a one nil tear. Just why did I waste two hours of my life when we got the three points win every day of the week? I'm with you. I'll take that over lovely football and you lose four two anytime. But seeing that the capability for the lovely football and the win is there and then not having it is just, oh, it just grinds your gears to no end. So, so I totally understand where you're coming from on that point. Yeah, when Burnley got that penalty and scored, I actually thought, is there a wall I can headbutt without doing serious damage? And yep. no, there is no wall you can headbutt without doing serious damage. Um, two other bit, quick bits, Tim, before we're out of time today. Um, I wanted to mention this as we're doing a little bit of catch. Uh, do you know Kyle Brandt? I do, yes. Kyle yep. Brandt from Good Morning Football. I don't know Kyle Brandt, uh, but he came to my attention this week um, because he said something really funny on Twitter, which another friend of mine picked up on. So I wanted to ask the Americans about this. Okay. Um, here's a, 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 a quote of a tweet from Kyle Brandt. He says, Bears fans should be alarmed. Panthers fired their coach. Could get that interim coach jolt and win a game or two, losing Bears number one pick. Interim coach jolt. Mm-hmm. Is that the American football version of the new manager bounce? Is I that was, common parlance? I was going to say interim coach jolt wouldn't be like the exact phrase. Like the new manager bounce is something that every every single person that knows soccer or football or whatever it knows. They know that phrase. I don't think jolt is kind of the word, but it's it's the same concept. Yes, that as soon as you, you fire a coach midseason and you bring in a new one, Almost certainly that team is going to have a couple games where they're playing much better. Like, oh, this, again, this is the team that I saw have all that talent and actually use it. Um, Interim coach jolt. Jolt there is the word that isn't used a lot. Uh, Maybe I've just been stuck in the soccer world for so long now, too, that I just call them both new manager bounce or new coach bounce or, you know, please bet on this team because they got a new guy at at the top of the building. But, um, yeah, jolt, I wouldn't say the the – Idea is the same, but I wouldn't say it's the same, like common phrase that all American football fans would use. See, this is something we need to do, maybe for a feature on the show. Yeah. Um, the Sirius XMFC show. Let's take a common English football parlance like new manager bounce and try and Americanize it. Because I love this. Uh, my friend Danny uh, tweeted about this and he was like, I love this. We should do this for all of the different um, English phrases, like sick as a parrot. And we could be like... Um, unloaded like a Colt 45, you know, Americanize it, all right, you know, right. something like that, you know. So it, it, I liked it a lot. I thought it was great. And I love the fact that Kyle was scratching around for a phrase and it existed. It already exists and has been used for a hundred years, but just in a sport you obviously don't know very well. I just thought it was terrific. Um, and the last thing to mention today is that we're heading up towards the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. And yes. Tim, there's a possibility here. Not only will the Hammers have won a trophy in the calendar year 2023, but Columbus Crew, 
who are my MLS team, as picked by Sirius XMFC listeners, but and by me as well. They were one of my top four picks of the what I felt were the best four clubs that I would like to have supported in America, with no link to any of them going into it. Um, they just won MLS Cup when we did that competition. And since then, they've been kind of useless. Um, Caleb Porter's gone, start of the season. Wilfred Nancy comes in and everyone was like, actually, this might be quite good, this. They'd signed Cucho Hernandez, who I'd seen a lot of Watford, saw him score a great goal for Watford against Arsenal, maybe two or three months before uh, he signed. Uh, of course, Elleriana's gone. So you're like, I said, nightmare. He's been the best player since I started watching their games. Um, you know, gone off to make some money elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But they win the other day against Orlando. Amazing. Um victory by two goals to nil, um, which no one saw coming. Tyler Terrence, I think, said it was going to come, but our friend Brian Dunseth back to Orlando. So maybe consider your, your employment choices, Apple. Just joking. Just joking. Um, keep him there. Keep him there. There's a mortgage to pay. Kids to pay for. Um, but terrific, I thought. And I'll watch it Saturday night. Um, I, I'm looking forward to it, actually. It's a, it's a hell is real conference final going into MLS Cup, hopefully the following week. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, you got to love a rivalry this late in the year, right? Um, you know, and and for Columbus as well, um, it, it's already been predetermined based on the rankings that if Columbus does win the Hell is Real Derby in the conference final, they will host the MLS Cup final. It, it, MLS Cup final is coming to Ohio this year. Uh, shameless plug again, Sirius XMFC will be there with live coverage of the game that you can listen to. Joe Tollison, uh, Tony Miola, Brian Dunseth, and me uh, as the on-field producer, freezing on the sidelines in that in that uh, Ohio <laughs> environment, whether it be Cincinnati or Columbus. So yeah, it's, it's awesome. I mean, you got to love the fierce kind of rivalries. FC Cincinnati has been a fantastic story. They've been the best team all year long, but the team that could usurp them, the team that they would hate to see move on is their rival who could do it in the conference final. It's great stuff. Your your boy Kucha Hernandez just named the 2023 MLS best 11 as well for his performances this year. So I'm excited. I will say, you know, on a personal note, and I know Donnie might feel the same, and maybe that's why he selected Orlando. We were hoping to be on the sidelines in Orlando. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because it has been determined based on how things played out early in the playoffs that essentially it was going to be an Eastern Conference team uh, most likely to host the final uh, based on uh, the record in the regular season. And I I was looking at those results over the weekend like, come on, come on, guys. I would much rather sit on the sidelines and sweat in Orlando than freeze <laughs> in Ohio. Uh, but it looks like, yeah, either Columbus or Cincinnati will host uh, MLS Cup Final here on December 9th, I believe, is, is the date there. So, yeah, looking forward to it either way. It should be good. And look, for your sake and for the show's sake, I do hope it's Columbus uh, on the way in that final. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, otherwise I won't watch it. That's true. So I'm just watching one team. I've chosen to watch one team, and that's how I'm getting into it. I'm not getting into the other conference. I haven't got the time. Um, it is my busy season, so I've only actually after t- I've got a day off tomorrow, and I've not got another day off until Christmas Day because this is the busiest time for English football. However, um, if they make the final uh, and beat Cincinnati at the weekend, I am more than prepared for somebody at the football club Columbus Crew, someone at Sirius XM to pay for my flights. Yes. Get me a ticket, get me into the game, and I will contribute to all of your lives um, and go to the game if you're all willing to pay for it. So let's get that crowdfunding going now. Um, And I do know a couple of people at the club who, well, actually they won't pay for it, but they might pretend they would if they had the money. I don't know. I'll put a call in. Tim, that was it. That was fun, wasn't it? We should yeah, do this more often. Time. It was way better than normal. Yeah, I've, someone should take trips to Bermuda way more often. I don't know who 
on this three-man panel, but I think the, you know, just, just have, have some more holidays. Did you know that he's in Bermuda? Did you know we're going to hear all about Bermuda oh. in a few weeks' time? It's going to be great. I can't wait. You know what other holiday destination starts with a B, don't you? Mm-hmm. Every single time. That time he went to Belgium. Uh, Tim Horsey, thank you very much indeed. Tim Horsey co-presented the program today as well as produced it. I've been Tom Money. The podcast is Week in the Tackle. If you listened on a podcast, the show is available to watch on YouTube. If you watched on YouTube, hello. It's also available as a podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you next Thursday. We're going to record the program not on the Tuesday because Danny is on the beach. So next Thursday will be our next Week in the Tackle recording. We'll see you then, all right.